welcome to Our Parents Did What? A Tour of the Parenting Perils of Yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. I don't know about you, but I want to hear some mom moments. So my mom moment is not a happy one. I had like a a not so great moment myself as a mom. And I thought I would share that because I think we've all been there. Mm -hmm. So yesterday I had Irene down in the basement with me because that's where the studio is. And I had, I'm having the craziest week and I had to get some work done for my lessons later. I had to do some lesson planning. Everybody needed new songs. So I'm trying to get stuff done and I have the TV on. We have like a little TV down here. I've got the TV on for her. So she'll just, you know, focus on that. And of course she's getting into other things and she somehow climbs up on something and grabs this little like Viking ship figurine that I have that's, I mean, it's not like made of glass or anything. It's, I mean, I don't, didn't even think it would be super breakable, but it's, it's from Disney world from, mm-hmm. <laughs> this sounds stupid. It's from the last trip we took with my mom before she passed away. So it's got a little mm-hmm. sentimental value to me. Yeah. So she takes it and I was like, Rini, that's not a toy. You have to give that back to mommy. Of course. She was like, no. And so I was trying to be calm and I was like, you need to give that back to mommy. It's not a toy. That's mommy's special thing. We've been working on mommy has some special things that are not for Rini, right? Like she likes to sometimes take like my face cream in the bathroom. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. mommy's special thing. You can't lose that. So I was like, this is mommy's special thing. And I gave her three chances. And I was like, Rini, if you can't be a big girl and give it back to mommy, I'm going to have to take it. So I go to take it from her Mm -hmm. and she pulls it back. And she's been doing this thing, Jen where she throws things when she's mad. And normally it's like a stuffed animal, a cup of milk with a top on it, and it's not going to break. She looks straight at me, dead in the eyes, and she throws it on the floor and it breaks into like five pieces. Oh. And I lost I lost my mind. I was I I was I'm not a screamer. I literally was screaming at her. I was so yeah. upset. Yeah. Because she did it on purpose. And, yeah. and in, my, in my rage of the moment, I was like, she broke my thing on purpose, which is a very childish way to react. But <laughs> I was so angry. And I was like, look what you did. And I was screaming. And I was like, no TV the rest of the day. Yeah. JJ is gone. So of course, <laughs> she was like, she was like, no, JJ. So, so she's just shrieking that she wants JJ. And she's cry- And I know she knows she did something wrong, but she doesn't really get it. And I was way too upset to be nice and explain it to her. And I was, I just totally lost it on her and it was not a good moment. And I had to stop and take a step back. And once she had calmed down and I had calmed down, I I was texting Chuck about it and he was very calm. And he was like, you have to remember that she doesn't know that that had a sentimental value to it. Mm -hmm. And she also, yes, she threw it intentionally and we have to work on that behavior, but she definitely didn't know it was going to break Yeah, because that's the first thing she's thrown and broken. So yeah, most of the things she throws just like go on the floor, the end. Right, right. Because she's been, she she likes to slam doors when she's angry and she likes to throw things on the floor. So yeah. I had to like stop and then I finally got down on her level and I apologized for yelling at her and I was like, but, but you, but you are in trouble and we're not going to watch JJ for the rest of the morning because you did a bad thing. And I, when we talked about it and I was like, do you know what you did? Did you throw this? Yes. Did you break mommy's thing? Yes, I did. 
are you sorry? Yes, I'm sorry, mommy. And then she gave me a hug and it was better. But I felt Mm -hmm. really bad later because I had like, just like in a rage, really, really screamed at her. And that was probably (laughs) the first time I had ever done that. And I was really, it just, I don't know. It was not a great, and I'm stressed out this week. It's a big week. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, if that's (sighs) the, if your child is nearly two. Well, I've yelled at her. I've yelled at her like, don't do that. How old are our children now? They're over two. Two and a half. Two and a half. Our children are two and a half. If that's the first time you've completely lost it with her, I can't tell you how many times I I completely lose, like scream in a way that no adult should scream at a child. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I I just can't. Like, yeah, yeah, I just, it's like my brain stops being rational yeah and like I, I put just, my stern and I voice yell. yeah but but this this was not my stern voice this was like diane has lost her mm. crap and and i was like just rage and i was like holding it in her face and i was like look what you did and she was like oh, oh my god and, and looking back on it i'm like supremely embarrassed but i feel like let me share this with the world because i know i'm not the only one yeah and, We've all done it. And, and yeah. I have to say later, we called Uncle Deakley and we FaceTimed with him and she told him the story of what happened in her little baby way. And she yeah. was like, the ship and then I threw it and I broke it and blah, 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 blah. And she was like, and that's not nice, Deakley. And I was like, okay, she gets it. She yeah. gets it. Yeah. But oof, Jen, it was and not she a also, shining moment. Yeah. She can also see that like when you reach a limit, as a person, you, you become irrational and that that yeah. happens even when you're an adult. And, you know, if you push somebody's limits really, really far, oh. you can turn them into an emotional mess. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like crying. And, and I have yeah. to remember, like, she has no idea to her. It probably looked like a toy, Yeah, you know? And so anyway, yeah, not my best moment, but did you decide to keep it? I still have it upstairs. The, yeah. I was going to see if I could glue it back together. The problem is I can't find all the pieces because I think some of them oh. like, flew under like an amplifier and yeah. I'm going to have to move things. Yeah. And I think we've got some little pieces. So what I might recommend, because it might turn this bad moment into a really nice sentimental, like reclaim this bad moment into something that you can see as like this, this nice thing. Don't glue it back together. Go get a shadow box and put the pieces in oh and have God. it be this thing that you got with your mom that your daughter destroyed that has like <laughs> this, this like, I'm recognizing all of the things that this object means to me. And then when you see it, you'll feel happy and sad and all the things. And, you know, I think do that. That's a, I never would have thought of that if you didn't say it. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. There you go. I think I'm going to do that. Boom. Problem solved. And then I get to keep it. I don't have to be like, oh, it's poorly glued back together. Yeah, you don't have to look at it and go, God damn, why is it broken? <laughs> you just be like, it oh is broken. God. I left it this way on purpose. Oh, man. <laughs> what a mess. So I know. Oh, that's, well, that's my mom moment. They're not yeah. all wonderful. <laughs> You're a trooper. You're a real trooper. I love it. All right. I am going to be talking today about family life during the depression. Ooh. Yeah. Downer episode with Diane. It's not as much of a downer (laughs) as you'd think. Well, that's good. It's kind of, I mean, there are aspects that are downer-ish, but I'm going to try to really focus on how it affected 
families, children, mothers, like, yeah. and, and not get into like a lot of the economic stuff. Yeah. But what I found as I was doing my research is that the biggest thing about the depression and how it changed family life is that it's the first time that the government really got involved in families and, you know, government assistance became such a normal thing. And before that, that was not, that was not a thing. And there was a lot of stigma prior to the depression and even during the depression, but less so. But yeah, it's, it's actually a kind of interesting story and it took me in a direction I didn't expect. So yeah, the resilience of the depression is very interesting. It is. So, and, and I, as I was doing the research, I kept saying like, I didn't have the time to like contact my uncle and my dad and see if they, and my aunt to see if they had some writings. Cause my, my grandmother used to, she wrote all about her life. Mm-hmm. She just wrote journals and journals and memoirs and stuff all about her life. And I know somebody has them, but yeah. I just didn't have the time to go through them. But I wish I did because I know she had so many stories about growing up during the depression. Mm-hmm. And you know, you may have stories from your grandparents. All right. I'm going to give you a quick depression background first. You probably know some of this, but if you don't, here we go. So the depression was the worst economic downturn in the history of the industrialized world. And it spanned the years of 1929 to 1939. Mm. So do you know the big event that caused the depression? So they say there were a lot of factors, but there's one big one. I'm sure I, I'm sure I know it. Like in, in the back of my head, I can't recall it at the moment. So I, I have to be honest that like, I know I learned all this in history class, yeah. but like, I forgot most of it. I know. So the, the big thing was Black Tuesday, which was yes. the stock market crash of mm-hmm. uh, 1929. Yeah. But what I didn't remember along with that was apparently there was a big drought during this oh. time. The Dust Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So between drought and so there weren't, you know, there were issues with crops and, and, oh. and then the stock market crash and bank failures, it kind Oof. of all culminated in the depression. Mm. So in this time, nearly half of American banks closed and there was extremely high unemployment. Unemployment jumped from less than 3 million in 1929 to over 4 million a year later in 1930. Mm-hmm. Then from 4 million, it went to 8 million a year later in 1931. And then a year after that in 1932, it went to 12 and a half million. Yeah. So it just, the rate of unemployment skyrocketed. Yeah. What's really interesting is that like those numbers today probably, you know, aren't, aren't nearly as like, right. But the population in this country has like boomed. Exploded so, since then. Yeah. yeah. So like that so you was have a to lot think of, of it in people. Those terms. Yeah. It was a lot of people. And so it forced couples to delay marriage. Mm -hmm. So birth rates went down. Mm -hmm. Birth rates went under the replacement level for the first time ever in American history during the Depression, which I didn't know, but Mm. it makes sense. Yeah. And the divorce rate fell because people could not afford to get divorced. Yeah. So because people couldn't afford to get divorced, the rates of what they call desertion Mm. went through the roof, which basically just meant people just separated and lived separately, but they didn't actually get a legal divorce because they couldn't afford to. Or fathers would leave the family to go find work and just disappear and never come back. And mothers would be left with children and mouths Mm -hmm. to feed. And it was awful. 
But by 1940, um, 1.5 million married women were living apart from their husbands. And there were more than 200,000 vagrant children roaming the country because their families had broken up and they didn't want to be a burden anymore. Isn't that like, I can't even wrap my head around it. I I can't wrap my head around it, but it's a different time. Yes. (sighs) So we are going to hopefully spend a whole episode on child labor. So I'm not Mm going to go too far into this. But obviously, during the Depression, when parents had lost their jobs, mm-hmm. children needed to you know, step in and do their part. Yeah. So the issue that people experienced during the Depression was in the 1920s, there was this big economic boom, right? Mm-hmm. You think roaring 20s, mm-hmm. and a lot of child labor laws yep. were put in place yep. to protect children. But the problem was when the Depression happened, now these children, as terrible as it sounds, really needed to work in order to feed themselves and feed their families, but yep. they had to work around these child labor laws, which limited children under 16. Are you ready for this? It limited children under 16 to an eight hour work day. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't I know, laugh because it's know. awful. It's I awful, can't. but. Oh my. Yeah. They were like, Oh, oh, you're under 16? Okay, well, you'll only work eight hours a day. Jeez. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, and it provided guidelines for employing minors. So children had to get creative. Yeah. Which, of course, Jen, this made me think of Newsies. Yes. <laughs> Carrying that banner. <laughs> but uh, children collected junk to sell on the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they would you know, leave school early or go to school part-time to work. And common jobs for children at this time were newsboys. Uh-huh. So um, pin setters in bowling alleys. Yeah, sure. Messengers. And mm-hmm. girls were often hired domestic help. Yeah. So maids, cooks, et cetera, for people mm-hmm. that could afford it. Because not everybody was affected by yes. the depression, as we know. Yeah. So, um Children did learn some really valuable life skills out of necessity during this time. So it, I often think of that, how like I did not grow up. I know you're a great knitter, but like I did not grow up learning how to like mm-hmm. sew and knit and like, mm-hmm. you know, mend things. It just, nobody taught me that. Yeah. But like my grandmother, she could do all of that because she yeah. had to. So like yeah. darning socks and patching clothes and using up every last bit of something, mm-hmm. um, nothing going to waste. You know, I remember my, my grandma had said something that she always used to, when she would crack eggs, she mm-hmm. would scrape the inside of the eggshell with her finger to yeah. get all the last bits of egg out mm-hmm. because nothing could go to waste. You needed that last little bit. One of my absolute favorite, I guess it's like a food memoir is from the great depression. It's called how to cook a wolf. And it's just, it's just excellent. It's really about like that time and stretching every single bit of food as far as you possibly could, making incredibly tasty meals with like garbage food. It was just, it's an incredible. Yeah. Ooh, I have to check that out. Yeah. The wolf is a um, a metaphor for like the unending hunger. Oh, that's really sad. When I would go to my grandmother's house, like she would cook things for us that we really liked and we thought was like cool. And she was like, this is depression food. <laughs> like I always make my grandma's escarole and beans. 
that's depression food. Polenta, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. my grandma would always say like polenta, like now it's like you find polenta in fancy restaurants. That was a depression food. <laughs> so it's just interesting. Yeah, there was always a lot made with like oats, molasses, mm-hmm. stuff that was just like not. <laughs> no, but you made it work. Stretching every last bit of food, mm-hmm. clipping coupons started during the depression. Mm-hmm. And and I read this. I didn't know what this was. Saving gold bond trading stamps. So I, I thought like if any listeners like know what that is, let us know. It must have something to do with maybe being able to trade them for 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 goods or something something yeah they must have had some sort of value yeah or they were thought to maybe like be something that would appreciate in value where other things wouldn't right yeah so i just thought that was interesting but there was a motto during the depression that families would live by which was use it up wear it out or do without that's good. I like that. I, I kind of like that. I like that for today. <laughs> I was gonna say, if I can, if I can make a piece of clothing continue to be usable, I'd, yeah, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> well, I think, and you are very, very good at that. Oh, thank you. So I think <laughs> you have gotten a little bit of that maybe depression era <laughs> sensibility to you. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know exactly where it came from. Probably my grandmother. Like mm-hmm. probably she was very. You know, she just used things for forever. She yeah. also, like, there are very few things that I remember about her, but I remember that she always took her coffee black and it was definitely because of the depression. Oh, I'm sure. And you just learned to like it because that's yeah. all you ever had. Yeah. I'm sort of like, but you can put anything in it now. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just how I drink it. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, women's magazines and radio shows at the time taught homemakers how to stretch their food budget. Mm-hmm. So this is where we get the onset of casseroles and one-pot meals. Yep. So some very popular dishes of the time were chili, mm-hmm. mac and cheese, mm-hmm. any kind of soup. Oh, yes. If you could make it into a soup, you were mm-hmm. good. Oh, yeah. Chipped beef on toast. Oh, I don't know what it is, but okay. Oats, yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. what I don't know what chipped beef is. I'm mm. assuming it's maybe like the ends of or something of like probably the scraps or like the yeah, cheaper yeah, yeah. meat that you could get. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, or maybe it's just like ground. Maybe it's like ground beef or something. Maybe chipped. Like, yeah. 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 One of my favorite things about that time about that that book actually is like everything that you make. Essentially, you make a meal and there's something from that meal that's left over, right? And so you use that in your next meal. And in that next meal, there's something that's left over. So in some way, you're always cooking the exact same meal. It's just like the the next iteration of it. It evolves. Yeah. So it's (laughs) like when you boil a pot of pasta, you keep that water and that's the the base for your soup the next day. Like, because now it's got the starch in it. So it'll be creamier, you know, it's like that kind of thing. So, yeah. Huh. That's, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that. Like waste nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I always feel like that's my problem. Like if I make, if I make soup or something and mm-hmm. I like open like a can of chicken stock and I don't use mm-hmm. the whole thing and I'm like, oh, I got to use it tomorrow in a recipe. And then I always forget. Yeah. <laughs> but I just put everything in the freezer. Just keep well, it that's forever. what I started doing. Yeah. yeah I'm big on the freezer. Mm-hmm. But I want to stress that the depression wasn't all bad. And um, actually, 
rates of children getting an education and and going all the way through school, through high school, actually mm-hmm. continued to either stay steady or increase mm-hmm. throughout the depression years. So the whole like youth culture, it didn't stop. Yeah. Before the 1930s, like movies were very popular and they they remained popular during the depression, but a lot of people couldn't afford them. Mm-hmm. A lot of movie theaters closed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they found other ways to be entertained. So big things were cards, playing cards, sure, radio shows, mm-hmm. and board games. So this is cool. Monopoly and Scrabble were both introduced in the 1930s during the depression. What? I didn't mm-hmm. know that. And that makes a lot of sense for Monopoly. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like Scrabble, not so much, but Monopoly, I was like, oh, I could see that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's down. Yeah. yeah. It's like a game about the depression. Kind of. I know, right? Uh-oh. It kind of puts a whole new spin on Monopoly. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Amos and Andy, the radio show, was huge. Yep. And then here's a fun little tidbit that I enjoyed mini golf was the craze of the depression. Okay. <laughs> More than 30,000 mini golf courses sprang up across the United States in the 1930s, and the price ranged from 25 cents to 50 cents for a round of mini golf. So it was fairly cheap. You yeah. did it outside. You could just use junk that you found to create this course. Yeah. And and it was a big thing that people would do for fun. Wow. Okay. Uh-huh. Neat. Okay. That makes I sense. That was really yeah, cool. That's really yeah. cool. My mom's gonna really like this episode. I was I was thinking I was thinking of <laughs> Kathy <laughs> as I was doing my research. Yep. And I just I just ordered her book. Like, oh, okay. I think a few days ago, so I should mm-hmm. get it soon. But I was thinking of her and her book and her memoirs as I was mm-hmm. jotting all my notes. I know. Down, so. She's like a real yeah, she wasn't born during their depression, but no. she's like the the result of a yes like what happened right after the depression yes and it was that was what my mom was born into so yeah mm-hmm. and baby boomers they are baby the result boomers. of of people who grew up in the depression and had nothing and wanting their children to have a better life who just wanted to like have all the babies yeah they were like we didn't have babies for so long because we had nothing that's right procreate procreate everyone <laughs> do this take all the babies <laughs> Mm-hmm. So another big thing of the depression, which I'm sure you probably know, is that a lot of women entered the workforce because their husbands lost their jobs mm-hmm. or their parents lost their jobs or what have you. Mm-hmm. So some families were able to stay afloat by having mothers go to work and the number of married women in the workforce increased during the depression, even though unemployment was increasing. Oh. So unemployment overall was going up, but the number of married women who were employed was going up as well. So oh. probably just because they were told you can't work. And now they were like, no, you have to work. You have to. Like whichever one of us can find employment first, right. we'll have to. Yes. You have yeah, to do yeah. it. It's so interesting to me how in times of prosperity, women are told that they're not allowed to work, but then in times of necessity, they're told they have to. So it's like, yeah. clearly, you know, we can you just want to keep us down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I always thought it was really interesting growing up. Like, I guess I always thought that my grandmother was like this, this like real feminist because she worked at the bank. Like that was right. like the thing that I knew about her was that like, she used to work at the bank and like, <laughs> and she had, and she had kids and she worked at the bank 
and all of these other women in my mom's lives all ran this bakery and you know like yep I don't know all were working women I was just like whoa which really seemed foreign to me because up until I was a teenager my mom was at home with us so I I was like whoa wow working moms <laughs> you know like ahead of their time and then my mom became a working mom and I was like oh yeah yeah this is a lot <laughs> it's hard to be a working mom I know it is it's exhausting yeah but it's it's also really hard to just yeah. take care of kids all day long oh god so like, no no thank all you. of it's hard it's all hard there's no I remember my grandma told me how she worked at Macy's as a young woman. Yeah. That was, and and you started out like on one floor and you would work your way up in Macy's. My goodness. Um, And then she worked as a bookkeeper for Mm -hmm. years and she was the bookkeeper for my grandfather's store because my grandfather ran a pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they just grow up having to work. Yeah, for sure. You know, having to, to make it work. Mm -hmm. So, yep. So you can find us online in many places. We are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are always at OPDW Podcast. You can send us email at opdwpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to give us a review on whatever podcast listening platform you use, we're always thrilled to get those. They really help people find the show and they just fill our hearts with so much love. Yes. And our music is by Theo Rosenberg. So thank you, Theo. Thank you, Theo. All right, Diane. Until next time. Now is the time to seize the day.